You're listening to the Dietitian Cafe, brought to you by New Outra, where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. My name's Harriet Smith, and I'm a registered dietitian and founder of HRS Communications. Now, many of our listeners will probably have recently renewed their HCPC membership for another couple of years, and continued professional development, otherwise known as CPD, may well be at the forefront of your mind, especially if you've been called up to audit. In today's episode, we're going to sit down with two people who are actively working to make CPD a hassle-free task for allied health professionals. We're going to dive into the world of CPD, discussing if there are gold standard methods for recording your CPD, what the barriers are to undertaking CPD, and we're going to hear our guests' top tips for building a CPD portfolio to be proud of. So without further ado, it's my great pleasure to welcome Donna and Jen to the podcast. And I'm going to hand over to Donna, first of all, to tell us a bit more about herself. Thank you, Harriet. It's nice to be here. So, yes, I'm Donna Fielder and I'm a content producer for Julia Can Help, which is a platform designed to help allied health professionals record, reflect and report on their CPD. So as part of this role, I've been very lucky to have interviewed a wide range of AHPs about their CPD experiences and how this has supported their career progression, which has been really, really interesting. Hi, and I'm Jen Fielder. I graduated as a dietitian from the University of Surrey in 2002 um, before working at Cambridge University Hospitals NHS Trust at Addenbrooke's Hospital. Um, I moved down to the South Coast in 2003 to take up a position in the newly created nutrition support dietetic team. And over the years, I've progressed to become the team lead for the nutrition support team, which has expanded to provide community support services across East Sussex, um, now served by a team of dietitians and dietetic assistant practitioners. More recently, I have been successful in securing a secondment as the interim professional lead for the nutrition and dietetic department for East Sussex Healthcare NHS Trust. Um, my specialist interest areas include home mental tube feeding, motor neurone disease, and the education and development of both established and student dietitians. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really, really good to be discussing this important topic. And just a note before we dive into the episode, Jen is an HCPC registered dietitian. She works for East Sussex Healthcare NHS Trust. Outside of her NHS work, she is a shareholder in Switchplane Limited, and all views expressed in this podcast are her own. So without further ado, we're going to delve into our quick fire round of questions so that we can get to know you both on a more personal level. So first question to you both, what is your favorite book? Jen, let's go with you first. My favourite book of all time has to be the classic Pride and Prejudice. I love it and reread it on a regular basis. Oh, it's Time Traveller's Wife for me. Yeah, it's the only book that I've read about three times. Um, and I love the film as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Good recommendations, especially for those um, holidays that people might have coming up, perhaps October half term. <laughs> And then next question, what is some advice that someone has given you that's really resonated or stayed with you over your your career, Jen? I think it's um, something my, my dad said to me when I was very little, which was to try and take as advantage of as many opportunities as you can as they arise and just try and fit them in um, and say yes to as many things as you possibly can. So mine is uh, more a advice for life, and that is, that happiness is a choice. You control 
how you choose to behave, your thoughts, your feelings. No one else is in control of that. So you have a lot more control over your happiness than you think you do. Very, very important advice indeed. Um, and my final question, obviously, this is the Dietitian Cafe and we love talking about food as dietitians. So if you were cast off to a desert island, what would be your snack of choice, Jen? I'm afraid it's got to be crisps. I love all types of crisps. Um, always been a weakness, so it would have to be them, I'm afraid. And for me, it's biscuits, particularly shortbread. <laughs> my favourite. <laughs> Yeah, I can definitely resonate with both of those. Um, yeah, Cheesy Watts, it's been a favourite when it comes to crisps. <laughs> so um, we're going to delve into our episode discussion points now. And I just want to start with the basics of CPD. So um, first of all, can you tell us a bit more about what actually counts as CPD? And is there a kind of benchmark for how much CPD dietitians should be undertaking um, well, I'll take that one. Um, CPD is actually any activity that you can learn from or develop from professionally and can, can be considered as um, CPD. So it, it's a whole heap of things. And there's work-based things that you can do. There's professional things that you can do. There's formal educational things and self-directed things that you can do. So thinking about what you actually do in your day-to-day -day work, um, as well as possibly what you do outside of work, there's loads of things that can actually be counted as CPD from shadowing, writing case studies, reviewing case studies, being a mentor, um, looking at journals, being on accredited courses, supporting people with their learning, um, doing some research, conference attendances, um, all sorts of things count as CPD. Um, so actually, people are probably doing more CPD than they actually realise they're doing. So it's um, probably happening on a, on a regular basis. Um, how much should people be doing? I don't think there is actually a dedicated specific amount that you should be doing. It's just something that should be incorporated in, in your in your day-to-day -day practice, really. There's no specific guidance on hours or days or, or um, volumes of things that you should produce. Yeah, that's really interesting to know. And um, it's something I think a lot of us are aware of as being important um, as part of our registration as dietitians. <clears throat> but inevitably life gets in the way we all find excuses to put CPD to the bottom of our um, priority list perhaps so in your experience Jen as a dietitian what do you think are some of the main barriers to healthcare professionals actually undertaking and recording CPD? I think as you've touched on there time is often a big factor having the time to sit down and and actually think what have I done today what have I done this week what have I done this month and taking the time to reflect on that. And then the other thing I think is um, having somewhere to store it and record it easily. Um, so if you're in a busy job, um, and seeing lots of different patients, you're doing all sorts of different jobs, reports and things. If you haven't got somewhere to document or record what you've done, that's also a really big challenge. Um, and you can then end up with lots of little bits of paper or here, there and everywhere and recording in lots of different systems and then not having a coherent um, or concise uh, record really. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with that. I think we're all aware in our heads of all the CPD that we're undertaking, but actually sitting down, documenting and reflecting on that is, is um, 
is another um another thing to consider. Now, Donna, in 2019, um, Julia Can Help was established. Can you tell us a bit more about the business and what it aims to do? Sure, yes. So Julia is a digital platform that allows you to record, reflect and report on your CPD. Um, The good thing about it is it's very much been designed with the HCPC guidelines in mind. So really trying to make AHP's lives as easy as possible. Um, So using the platform, you can record evidence of your CPD, whether that's quickly making a note of a conversation you've had, for example, or an article you've read, or uploading files or photos, forwarding an email confirmation of a training session that you've done or you're booked on. Whatever evidence you have, the product has been designed to be quick and easy to submit that evidence. And then there and then, or at a later time, you can go back and then reflect on that CPD. So one of the good things about it is that you can categorise that activity based on HCPC's list of categories they provide. Um, So making sure you're getting a nice blend of activities and then noting your reflections, which can either be in a very unstructured way or we have the Gibbs reflection model on there. So you can use that as a guide if you're not quite sure how to write a reflection. Um, And lastly, it's very easy to use the tool to pull off a report of all your activities. So whether that is to help you with submitting your audit or if um, you want to prepare for a performance review or have a career conversation or even a a job interview, you know, you can easily pull that information off to help you prepare for that. And so it's all been designed to help make the life of an AHP easier. Uh, when it comes to their CPD requirements. And I I can personally vouch that it does make your life a lot easier because I've had the pleasure of actually um, trialing and using the software. Um, Is it a website? Is it an app? How do HCPs use Julia in their day-to-day lives? Yeah, so it's a web platform and an app as well. So you can use it just as a web, web platform, but we recommend that you download the app as well. Um, because then you've got it on your phone. You can very easily, for example, take a photo of, of uh, something you've done or, you know, it's it's quick and easy there and then send yourself an email and put it onto the, the platform. So, yeah, it's been designed to be both a web platform and an app as well. And it's quite a niche business that you've got going here with Julia. And I'm really intrigued to hear what inspired you to start the business. Can you tell us a bit more about that journey? Yeah, the inspiration actually came from the lovely Jen here. Um, so like a lot of AHPs, Jen was struggling to keep on top of her CPD. Um, and then one day, I think it all got a bit much, and she, she turned to her husband, Joel, who runs uh, the software company Switchplay, which is also where I work, um, for advice. She was, you know, you were basically saying, weren't you, this is a nightmare. There is no proper tools to help me manage this. I'm collecting random bits of evidence from all over the place on my desk, in my email, on my phone. I'm really dreading if I was to ever, you know, be audited because producing this report is just going to be really stressful putting this all together. I mean, I've seen Jen's kind of pile of folders that she had with the pieces of paper in. I've seen evidence of this. So, um, yeah, Joel brought in a colleague um, to research how AHPs were currently managing their CPD. Um, we actually spoke to 50 different AHPs and heard the same messages again and again. I've got nowhere to keep evidence of my CPD. 
Um, I also am struggling to actually do CPD. My employer's not giving me enough time. Um, my CPD evidence gets scattered all over the place. I've forgotten what I did. I'm terrified of the renewal letter. So, I mean, that evidence, that research gave us the evidence we needed to know that there was a need for this product, um, something to make this whole process a lot easier. Um, so, yeah, that's why we set about creating this product. And can I just ask you, why Julia? Where does the name of the business come from? Um, yeah, the name Julia came about really because when we were thinking of what to name the product, we just didn't want it to be something that came across particularly corporate and stale. We wanted it something that it would be relatable to AHP, so people working in the NHS. Um, I guess it was a bit of fun, but it was something that thought, you know, they want something that they can see that's going to help them. It's something accessible to them. So, um, yeah, we hope that that's kind of doing the job. Yeah, I think it just makes it more personal. It's like Julia yeah. is your your CPD friend, essentially. Exactly. exactly. So, Jen, I'm very curious to hear, have you ever been audited by the HCPC? I haven't had the pleasure, no, um, which is surprising, being registered now for 20 years. So maybe my time will be next time. Um, so I haven't got any personal experience of being audited. Never say never, but never I'm sure if, I'm sure if you do, you're very well prepared. You're probably most on top of CPD out of all of us. <laughs> uh, there's, well, there's always work that can be done. <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter how hard I try. There's there's always it could always be better. So let's talk a bit more about this dreaded CPD um, audit with the HCPC. Why do you think being selected for an audit causes so much dread amongst allied health professionals? I think personally for me, it, it's worry about whether what I've done is, is enough. Is it good enough? Um, and then thinking about how much time I'm going to need to get everything together in order to submit it to the HCPC to make sure that it does meet their standards um, and factor that in, you know, with everything else that's going on in my life at that time, if I get called. So, you know, looking after the family and work and everything like that. And then, you know, the consequences of if it isn't enough and if it doesn't meet their standards, then what are the consequence is going to be for me if, if that's not right. Um, so it is a big worry. And what are the consequences if, unfortunately, they decide that the audit isn't sufficient? Do you get another opportunity? Do you lose your registration? What happens? So it depends. So they will review your CPD um, in, in their CPD panel, and then they will feed back to you in writing as to whether it meets their standards or if it doesn't. And then depending on what they find, you may get an extension and guidance on what you need to do next to meet those standards. Um or it may be that if if there's um, just a significant gap between what you have submitted and their standards, it may be that your registration is um, halted or stopped. Yeah, I mean that's obviously the worst case scenario. I mean, hopefully that only happens to a very small percentage. I imagine of people being audited. Obviously, ideally, people would use Julia can help as they go along with their CPD, but. Is there an option to go back retrospectively and, you know, put things in there that perhaps you've forgotten about that you might have done a few months ago um, when you're putting that portfolio together? I mean, Julia is one of many tools that you could use. Um, and I use a range of different things to record. So it's 
um, always useful to sort of keep a diary of what you're doing um, and then you can go back and put things in um, when you're putting your report together. If you're talking in terms of the feedback um, within that three months period, if it hasn't met the standards, then I think you would have to be guided by what they're asking you to do. Um, you would be given specific guidance on that, I believe. And in terms of the percentage of people that actually get called up for these audits, do you know what that percentage is? How many dietitians are we talking per year, for example? Um, we're talking about two and a half percent of each profession gets called to submit their CPD portfolio every registration period. So it is possible that you might get called more than once in the whole span of your career. Yeah, it's generated at random, computer generated at random. So, yeah, there is definitely a chance that you could be asked on multiple occasions. That would be bad luck, I have to say. <laughs> but... Bad luck. <laughs> yes, it could happen. So I'm quite I'm quite keen to hear, Jen, um, from your experience as a dietitian, what are the most surprising or innovative methods of CPD that you've come across, whether that's yourself or your colleagues perhaps? I don't I don't think there's a particularly surprising method. I think what surprises me most is that the wide variety of different activities that you can actually do. Um and that there's no one thing that's perfect. You could do so many different things and the wider variety of different things that you do, um, the better. Um, and that's great because depending on your learning style, your personality, you can choose the right thing that helps you learn and develop the most. So you, you're not saying it's, you're not, um, don't have to do one fixed thing. So it's not, oh, you've just all got to read a journal. Because I mean, personally, I don't learn very well from reading a journal because it's um, not very interactive. So I can choose to do something that suits me better. So I think that's the surprising thing for me. And do you have any favourite ways of completing CPD yourself, Jen? That's really tricky. Um, I mean, over the years, I've been very fortunate to attend some really great conferences and courses and study days. Um, I have to say, I really do enjoy learning from my colleagues and being challenged by my colleagues um, about why are we doing something like this? Could we do it another way? And that's not just with my sort of dietetic colleagues, but it's with my AHP colleagues and medical colleagues as well. Um, and I have to say today's session is probably one of the most unusual pieces of CPD I've ever done. I've never done a podcast before. So this is a whole new experience for me. Um, obviously, I've done some tried to do some preparation in advance, um, thinking about what we might talk about, thinking how about I might answer things. But also I'm also thinking, you know, how can I use this sort of um, experience in my day to day work? You know, what can I do um, that? Or how could I translate this into my day-to-day -day life to benefit my colleagues, my, my service users, my patients? Um, have I got the right kit? Um, is it going to be of any use or not? So, um, yeah, just trying lots of new things. And in terms of actually logging CPD opportunities, such as this podcast that we're doing right now, um, Donna, do health professionals actually have to write a piece of reflection after each and every piece of CPD that they undertake in order for it to count towards their portfolio? I think it's good practice. I mean, for your audit, for example, you don't have to submit a reflection on every single piece of CPD that you've done. You can pick out the ones that you think were most beneficial or the ones that you, you, know, you have got reflections on. Um, so... It's not mandatory, but I, I would say that to get the most out of the learning that you've done, it would be beneficial to do that reflection piece. Um, and I think it helps to do it 
as soon as you can after you've done the piece of CPD as well, so that you don't then forget. Um, so even if something hasn't been that useful, I think it's still good to make a note of that and reflect on that and reflect on why it was that it wasn't useful. Was it because the content wasn't relevant? Was it because um, of, you know, the way in which you engage with the activity or, or, or what was it? Um, so I definitely think that where you can, it's good. I appreciate it. It's time consuming and in the real world, you're not necessarily going to reflect on every single thing that you've done. But I think as many times as you can, I think it's really good, not just because of your, your audit or your renewal or, but just for your own development to really solidify what you've, you've done, what you've learned and, and help you to des- decide what you want to do next with that as well. Yeah, so it's best practice. And like you said earlier, there's lots of different reflection tools that you can use, whether that's a more formal or academic approach or whether it's literally just keeping notes yourself. Definitely. So in terms of a gold standard way to record CPD, let's use this podcast episode that we're recording now as an example. Um, So obviously at the end of the podcast, we'll get a recording and that I presume would be proof, you know, people could go and listen to that recording. Um, But what is the gold standard way of recording something like this podcast episode that we're doing? Um, Can you give us any top tips for how you go about recording and logging that? I mean, there isn't a gold standard way of of logging it. It's um, got to be what's useful for you. How are you going to learn from it? Um, And how are you going to um record that you you've done it so for example with reflection um it doesn't necessarily have to be like a written document you could record a voice um message or you could dictate something so if you're um in the moment and you're dashing from one thing to another you could you could record that and and keep that in your own records yes obviously the hcpc um, if you are chosen for audit, would need something in writing, but for your own records and learning, you could use any kind of medium that you liked. Um, so it's it's how you feel that you would learn best from it. Some people are very visual and, and like um, pictures, colours, um, videos and things like that. Some people prefer audible stuff. Some people prefer it in writing. Um, so it's it's the main thing is it's got to be useful for you because if it doesn't work for you, it's not going to benefit your development and career progression. Yeah, that's, that's very useful to hear. And also in terms of that portfolio, um, how many years of CPD do you need to compile? Is it every two years when you renew with the HCPC, you keep on top of those two years. And if you were to be audited, it's just those previous two years that you have to send. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's the the most recent two years of your um, working life. Um, Obviously, um, for your own career progression, it's good to keep track of everything that you have done. If you're sort of going through appraisals and looking for new jobs and thinking about what you want to do in the future. But certainly for the HCPC auditing process, it's the last, the most recent two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And just a note to say then that recent graduates won't be asked for audit because you need to have been registered for two years, I believe. So again, recent graduates aren't going to have that level of CPD time under their belt. So they don't need to worry about the audit um, when they first start off their career, just to reassure them. (laughs) 
So you can breathe a sigh of relief if you're a student dietitian or a graduate listening. <laughs> but having said that, Donna, I think it's good practice, even as a student, isn't it, to start, you know, getting on top oh, of your super as you mean to go on, definitely. And I suspect that that's probably been hammered home to them in their studies as well. But yes, I think if you can get into the habit of doing it, I think that's half the battle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I, I know a question that some of my friends and colleagues who perhaps don't work in traditional clinical settings have. How can you evidence your CPD if you're not working day to day with patients, for example? Let's say you work in a digital tech company as a dietitian, or in my case, obviously, I run um, a nutrition communications agency. So, Jen, can you give us some top tips for how you can still keep up your CPD as a dietitian when you're not perhaps working in that traditional clinical environment yeah so it's making sure that your cpd reflects your actual current role in what you're doing so if you're um working in a in a digital media so it's making sure your cpd reflects that so you're keeping up your skills in that area but also making sure that you're keeping your general dietetic skills up to 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 standard as well so thinking about what activities that you're doing. So talking with other dietitians such as myself, that would count as CPD for you um, and all the other people that you speak to in, in this, this great series. Um, and it doesn't, it, it, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be clinical based. So think about what, what, what is my job role? What am I trying to achieve? What do I need? in terms of skills and experience and knowledge to be able to do that appropriately and then choosing activities or uh, courses seminars journals programs etc to support that learning and challenge yourself and and perhaps making sure that if you are um, sort of um, self-employed or working um, privately thinking about each taking taking time each year to think okay what have I achieved over this year what do I want to achieve over the next year? Where do I see myself in five years? How am I going to get there? What skills do I need to get there? Um, who can help me? Where are my opportunities? And things like that. So um, it's it's got to be tailored to your individual circumstances. Yeah, I think that's really reassuring, actually. And interesting, I had a quick look on the HCPC website earlier. And even things like personal development plans, you know, setting yourself business goals, all, all of those sorts of things can help with your CPD portfolio, especially if you're not working in a clinical environment. Um, what are your top tips, Jen, for building a CPD portfolio to be proud of? Perhaps do you have two or three top tips you can give us? First thing is to realize that you are probably doing more CPD than you actually realize. And if you're good at keeping a diary, look back at your diary and look, what, what have you done over today, over the week? And you think, oh, okay, I had a discussion with this person about this, or I did that. And to do this piece of work, I needed to research this, this, and this. That's all CPD. So, um, so it's realizing that you're doing CPD as part of your everyday work and finding a way that you can capture that um, in a logical sense that you can bring together. I think um, that that's my, my top tip because there's so much out there that you can do. And I think when I first started out, I was so overwhelmed thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to do this CPD. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do the other. But actually the more experienced I've become, I think, okay, I'm actually doing this on a day-to-day -day basis. I just need to record it and reflect on it and remember how 
or to take the learning that I've had and how I'm going to develop things further forward. Even things like attending staff meetings, thinking about what have you learned from that? What are you going to change in your practice? How are you going to take that forward? Or if you've been to a, a best interest meeting, did you learn something new? Okay, what did you learn? How are you going to change your practice as a result of that? Um, if you're writing some information leaflets or reports, you know, have you checked that the information is current and up to date? Is it best practice? Have you had to review some guidelines to put that together? That CPD, reflect on anything that you can that's, that's different and how you've changed things as a result of that. All really good top tips and certainly some things that I'm going to take away when I'm thinking about my own CPD portfolio. So as we come to the end of our episode, I wanted to ask you both if there are any useful resources that you would recommend that dietitians have a look at if they're wanting to learn more about CPD and indeed how to go about completing their CPD portfolio. So Donna, have you got any tips? top tips or resources you can point us towards? Well, I think I think you've got to go to the HCPC website to start with because that is the, the main source of truth at the end of the day. Um, so make sure you've had a really good look around their website. I mean, they've got so many useful articles and resources that take you through the process of, you know, putting together a portfolio and what to do if you're audited. It takes you step by step through that. So... Um, definitely make sure you're really familiar with that information because it will just take the fear out of it as well. Once you're informed and you know, um, it's not scary anymore. Um, and then also I have to do say that the Julia Can Help uh, website has a blog where we uh, have included a lot of information. For example, I wrote a, a piece around how to reflect on your CPD. Um, we've also tried to put in there some links to useful resources as well. So if you're kind of struggling for inspiration or you're not quite sure what CPD activities you could be doing, um, hopefully you might find some nice inspiration on there as well. So we'll make sure we'll put a, a link to that in the in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jen, was there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I mean, um, as I said, the HCPC website is really good um, for information. The British Dietetic Association has also got lots of information as well. And a lot of the BDA specialist groups have um, forums and things which are really open for discussions and questions about um, various different things. Um, and also um, speak to your colleagues, speak to your friends, um, professional leads, dietetic managers, line managers, um, Everyone has got to do it. Everyone has got tips and things and not all, not one size fits everybody. So um, if you're struggling um, for how to do your CPD or record it or completing things, have a chat with your colleagues and friends and see what they do um, because they might have some top tips on, on how to how to do it. That's great advice. Thank you both. And like you said, we will pop links in the show notes to those various resources and websites that we mentioned. So I hope that everyone is feeling a little bit more reassured now in terms of tackling CPD dread and how to really build a portfolio that you can be proud of. I'd like to thank our guests, Jen and Donna, for their time today and for sharing their valuable experience with us. It's been very good to chat to you both. And a huge thank you to New Outra for making this podcast possible. If you enjoy listening to The Dietitian Cafe, please consider subscribing and leaving a review or five-star rating so that we can reach even more health professionals. 
You can follow New Outro on social media at New Outro across all platforms to keep up to date with the podcast and to hear the latest updates on medical nutrition. Thank you for listening and our next episode will be out soon.